0: Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here, come on in.
1: first lesson uh, comes to us this morning from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, which should be located uh, about page 690 in the New Testament uh, in your Bibles. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice." Because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Epa, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Our second reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel. As this is Epiphany Sunday, we are with the wise men to see and to experience their journey. Easy to write off, easy to think we know all of the pieces of this, but I encourage you to listen again with fresh ears. That is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah, from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and So here we are, Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany Sunday really is kind of an ending and a beginning at the same time. It kind of wraps up what we started in Advent with four weeks of preparation for Christ being born, our celebration of Christmas, and now Epiphany. You notice our Advent candles in Christ's candle that we lit on Christmas Eve are all still here. Our Christmas dra- drapings and ornaments are all still in and out of the building. Christmas tree still in our reception hall. Well, Christmas was a while ago. Why do we still have them up? Well, today will be our last day. Why? Because again, this epiphany is a part and is attached to our Christmas celebration. So Epiphany is that time where we know and follow that the wise men finally got to Jesus. It was some time afterwards. They were not there at the birth of Christ. They were there some time later. But it's okay if you keep them in your manger scenes with the shepherds as long as you know the difference. We know that they got there later because... It says in in our Matthew passage, by the time they got there, they went to the house where Jesus, the child, was. We don't know the age of Jesus when they finally get there. Could have been up to two years old. Jesus could have been toddling around, or he could have still been an infant. One of the ways we know is that when bad King Herod, threatened by the fact that Christ, this new king was born, he's the current king, went crazy after the wise men didn't come back to him and sought to kill all the, the, the boys in Bethlehem that were two years and under. So he was covering the span, trying to get rid of this new king that he heard was born. So epiphany around the world is kind of an exciting thing. I encourage you to go home and do a search on it. It is fun. It is vibrant. Many churches around the world celebrate in different and focused ways. For example, in Spain, they have colorful and vibrant parades to mark the journey of the Magi finally getting there. Several countries um, in the Czech Republic in Russia, in Greece, and other places take public swims and dips in lakes and rivers and bodies of water to celebrate the epiphany. Our friends in Mexico, I saw a picture of a huge long piece of colorful bread with a baby stuck in there somewhere. Which brings us to our New Orleans United States celebration. Officially, Epiphany kicks off the Mardi Gras season that will end when? Right, Fat Tuesday, which is right before Ash Wednesday. Right, right. So uh, parades will be starting um, this next weekend uh, in New Orleans, and they will build up to that weekend before Fat Tuesday. But one of the things that we celebrate as a part of New Orleans culture is the king cake. It is that round uh, of bread-ish cake, more bread than cake. It has the three colors of Mardi Gras, purple, green, and gold on it. And just like our friends in Mexico, the baby uh, is hidden in that as well. And if you, story goes, if you get the baby, then you have to host the next party. Um, New Orleans version, I don't know what our Mexican friends do when they find the baby. But it's called what? King cake. Why? For the kings that brought gifts to the Christ child. Why do we exchange presents on Christmas? Because these Magi brought gifts to Christ, to the newborn King. Now there are 12 days. And so December 25th, 12 days from that is January 6th, which is technically tomorrow. Today is the 5th, but this is the closest Sunday, closest to Epiphany. And again, I challenge you to go and do some searches to see what other countries and other Christians, how they celebrate. Often it's more vibrant than ours. In Italy, there's a tradition that the children leave their shoes out the night before, and then Eve, which would be tonight, Epiphany Eve, and then on Epiphany Day, they would find presents or gifts or candy in their shoes. i eat candy out of my Skittles, out of my sneakers. I'm not doing that. So, there's a variety of ways to celebrate Epiphany, and many countries do it bigger and larger as a part of their faith celebration. So, December 25th is always Christ's birthday as we celebrate. January 6th is always Epiphany, 12 days apart. And those are the 12 days of Christmas. Um, Many countries don't. Celebrate Really, Christmas started the celebration, and then they have 12 days of celebration until Epiphany. Again, different Christians have done it differently since this was observed, uh, Christ's birthday, and then Epiphany. Um, You all know the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. My True Love. Somebody's bragging they had a good Christmas. Somebody's giving them all kinds of stuff. Um, I saw an important study because people have too much time on on their hands. At the current rate in 2018, if you paid for everything in the 12 days of Christmas separately, it would be around $170,000 at 2018 rates. But a little known fact about the 12 days of Christmas is that originally it was written in Columbus, Georgia. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. And there was an original Columbus, Georgia version of the 12 days of Christmas. Did you know? How many people knew? Not nobody, but I knew. I knew. What's that? Oh, you you want me to share it with you? Okay. I would be glad to. But you have to help me because we all know this and sing it. on night's Christmas epiphany have done this for years and years. So just join in when you're ready, when you get it down as I refresh you with these Timeless lyrics. On the first day of Christmas George Patton gave to me A cartridge deployed at Fort Benning On the second day of Christmas Jesus gave to us Two first press spires And a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning On the third day of Christmas, uh, many in the community gave to us three new uptown hotels, two first press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning. On the fourth day of Christmas, Mr. Stelling gave to us four Synovus home loans, three new hotels, two first press spires. And a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning. I'm not hearing much song and singing. (laughs) On the fifth day of Christmas, Mr. Brand gave to us five river dragon pucks, four Synovus home loans, three new hotels, two first-press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning. On the sixth day of Christmas, Many in the community contributed together and gave to us six Broadway shows, five river dragon pucks, four Synovus home loans, three new hotels, two first press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning. On the seventh day of Christmas, Dan Amos gave to us seven Aflac policies. (laughs) Six Broadway shows, five River Dragon Pucks, four Synovus home loans, three new hotels, two first press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning. On the eighth day of Christmas, Neil Richardson gave to us eight nonprofits helping, seven Aflac policies. (laughs) Six Broadway shows, five River Dragon Pucks, Four Synovus home loans, three new hotels, two first press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning. On the ninth day of Christmas, many artists in the community gave to us nine Beau Bartlett paintings, eight nonprofits helping seven Aflac policies) <laughs> Six Broadway shows, five River Dragon Pucks, thank you, choir! Three, four Synovus home loans, three new hotels, two first press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Ford Benning. All right, we're in it, come on! On the 10th day of Christmas, Dr. Markwood gave to us 10 Columbus State Cougars studying Nine Bo Bartlett paintings, eight nonprofits helping, seven AFLAC policies, six Broadway shows, five River Dragon pucks, four Synovus home loans, three new hotels, two first press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Ford Benning. We're getting close. On the 11th day of Christmas, Dan Gilbert gave to us. Eleven Rafters Rafting, 10 Cougar Studying, 9 Beau Bartlett Paintings, 8 Nonprofits Helping, 7 Aflac policies, 6 Broadway shows, 5 River Dragon Pucks, 4 Synovus home loans, 3 new hotels, 2 first press spires, and a cartridge deployed at Ford Benning. One more, come on! On the twelfth day of Christmas, Dr. Pemberton gave to us 12,000 shares of Coke stock. (laughs) By the way, not too late to make your pledge for the 2020 fiscal year here at the church. 12,000 shares of Coke stock. 11 rafters rafting, 10 cougars studying, 9 Bo Bartlett paintings, 8 nonprofits helping, 7 Aflac policies, 6 Broadway shows, 5 River Dragon Pucks. Come on, we'll get the last, bring it home. 4 Synovus home loans, 3 new hotels, 2 first press fires, and a cartridge deployed at Fort Benning. Give yourselves a hand. Well done. So it is into the 12 days that we come to the end of that time with our wise men. So real quick, what do we know about them? Well, not a whole lot. We know some things. As Vicki alluded to earlier, We we don't really know that there were three. We think there were because of the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those were symbolic gifts given. Gold to represent the kingship of Christ. That's you give gold to a king. Uh, The frankincense was used in worship. Some traditions use incense, frankincense. It was used for worship for Christ in his role as priest or the one who intervenes on our behalf. And then myrrh which also was used in worship, but also used to uh, prepare bodies for burial, which we look back and see as foreshadowing of the way Christ would give his life and be buried only to be raised again. We think they were possibly from Persia, somewhere else. They were not from the house of Israel. We think they were into astrology or astronomy. They would have been philosophers. It's very possible that they were solid academics in a variety of disciplines. They could have been magicians. What? The word magi comes from the word magis, which means magic. They could have been seen as sorcerers or magicians, possibly of the Zoroastrian faith, which preceded Old Testament Hebrew theology and our Jewish monotheistic God, thought to have been 1,000 to 2,000 years prior. So these folks were complete and utter outsiders. As a matter of fact, the Bible in Leviticus and other places tells us to stay away from these kinds of folks. We don't know that there were three again. There could have been 10, there could have been 20, there could have been one. But we celebrate three And what we really celebrate is the journey that they took. What was it that caused them to leave their homes and go on an unknown journey for a a newborn king who maybe is a Messiah? What in the world? They're, They're not even of that faith. So what was it? Well, astronomy in the day, everybody was an astronomer. Why? Because everybody could look up, And everybody could see when things were different. If there was a comet streaking across the sky, that was some divine interaction. There was a meteor shower that would have been given divine understanding. Eclipses, supernovas, stars exploding and being very bright for a, a, a number of days or weeks and then receding all of that Would have been seen as divine interaction from whatever God you worshiped and practiced. And so they saw something that caused them to believe that something was going on that they needed to go and be a part of. They saw this star. And what about it? Could it have been a comet? Could it have been that supernova? Could it have been planets aligning for a short amount of time? Well, sure. Could have been any of those things. But would that star have led them and then stopped over the house where Jesus was? Anything's possible. This is God we are talking about. But what we can't, what we don't need to do and distracts us from the story is to try to, okay, let's say it's a comet. Is it any less God? Is it a supernova, is it any less God? Is it planetary alignment? Is it any less God? No. The union of science and faith and theology is one that is woven together. They are not exclusive. They are not at odds with each other. They are all a part and parcel of the same piece. Often when we look at science, we are from my theological perspective, trying to figure out how God did what God did. that doesn't make it blasphemous to try to figure out, well, if it was a supernova, then this would have happened and, you know, okay. But in the end, it's not really about proving the star, it's that the star led them to Christ. But again, science and theology are not at odds with each other, they are one in the same. There's a man by the name of Hugh Ross who, from a young age, studied physics and astronomy. Loved it, read as a young child, soaked it up to the point where that scientific study led him to the conclusion that there has to be a creator because it's ordered creation in the way that it was. It is, from his perspective, too complex, too ordered too dependent in every aspect of life for creation to just have happened. And so if there is an intelligent creator with an order and design, that creator would want to be in relationship with that creation. And so that led him to further study. He became uh, earned PhDs in physics and astronomy, Uh, from University of British Columbia, University of Toronto, and started an organization called, I'm going to read it so I get it right, Reasons to Believe. Reasons to Believe. You can go search that too. organization that seeks to prove the truth of the Bible scientifically, historically, with facts. It's fascinating. I went to the website, played around a little bit in it, didn't fully get into it, but I want to go back. And what he said at the end of this journey was that education led me to the stars, but my faith led me beyond. That education led me to the stars, but my faith led me beyond. Again, we don't cancel out one or the other. We need to embrace one another, science and theology. It's what those magi would have done. They were looking scientifically at something that they were seeing but going with a sense of faith and urgency that this meant that something amazing was going on. And it was. So they took their perilous journey. They looked and they saw the signs that God had placed for them and they accepted. And they went to Herod first and they said, hey, we heard there's a A newborn king born. Yay, where is he? We want to see him. And Herod says, pardon me? King right here. What are you talking about? There's a new king. Now all a new king would do would be to threaten Herod. From the moment Jesus is born, he becomes a threat to the existing order and the powers of darkness in the earthly controlled realm, period. Herod was a bad guy. We'll talk about that another time. But Christ came, and immediately the light that he brought was a threat to those who operate in darkness in this world. So Herod says, oh, yeah, yeah, great. Uh, I don't know where he is, but why don't you go and you see him, and if you find him, let me know, because I want to come worship him too. And so they say, okay, and they move on, and the star continues to lead them. Then they get to the house, were they at a house when Jesus was born? Maybe the stable or the animal pen was off side of the house. Maybe they were in a different place. We don't, we don't know that. But they finally get there, and the first thing they do is pay him homage. A weird word, homage. It's just another word for worship. They knelt and they worshiped him, and then they gave him gifts. We've just come through Christmas. We know some of the weird dynamics that can come with the negative side of gift giving. Well, I gave them something much more expensive than they gave me. What do you mean there's only one of these? Well, somebody gave me something expensive. Does that mean I owe them because again next year? I got to get them twice as much as I did this year? That's kind of some of the challenges involved. They don't start right away. The Magi with giving Christ presence to say, we give you gifts from our people, they stop and they worship first. They understand they're in the presence of this baby, the King, this Messiah, and they are changed internally and let that light in before they share their gifts. So in this new year, we are called to do the same, to let ourselves be transformed, to take it in who we are first. First. And then go share our gifts that have been given with the world. We know it's dark. We know it's broken. But it was in Jesus' day as well. And in many ways, much more horrible and uncivilized, even though our day is in many ways, than it was in that day. Christ didn't say, I'm coming and you will never have hardship again. Or tragedy won't strike. Or wars will stop or sadness, or tragedy will all stop. He said, I'm coming to bring light in the midst of that darkness. We are not alone in this journey from that day forward. And we are being called to let that light transform us and then take us out into the world because, friends, we know it is often dark out there and awful in a variety of ways. We're called on a new journey. The Magi went home, what? By another road, home by another way. After they were at the house and they had been in Christ's presence and they worshiped him and gave him gifts, they said in a dream, don't don't go back Herod's way. So they went home a new way. And so, too, today, we are starting a new year, a new first step in our newest 2020 journey. I encourage you to go home another way than you usually do. If you're going to lunch, go so an indirect way. If you're going straight home, go so a different way to remind yourself that after those magi had been in the presence of Christ, they were changed and went home as different people. I would love to know what they knew what they did when they went home. I would love to have known the shepherds. What, what did they do when they got home? Did they speak ceaselessly about this and everybody thought they were crazy? When they got home, did they say, did we really see what we thought? We did you hear? I heard, did you hear? I, maybe we just ought to not say anything. Or maybe... It all spread and started at that point, spreading the glory of Christ. We don't know that. But we do know that we are called to be those people who invite the light. In closing, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, we know from her stages of grief and dying, she said about people and the way that they live that people are like stained glass that during the day it is bright and sparkly and you can see most of the craftsmanship and the artistry. But at night when the darkness comes, to truly see the beauty, it has to be lit from inside. And so we are being transformed today when we open ourselves to the light of Christ. Not that we have it all figured out But it's a new day. It's a new journey. We can do things differently. We are going home by a different road. So today we celebrate the journey of these wise men as we begin the next step of our journey. Worship Christ first. Let him in first. So then you can go out and share your gifts. See the signs that God has put out to you like God did for those first Magi and respond to those gifts and know that we are all leaving here different than when we came in. We are filled with hope, overwhelmed with joy, as were the Magi. Hallelujah. Amen.